Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Luke. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is the word of the Lord. We have in these verses the announcement of the most marvelous event that ever happened in this world, the incarnation and birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is a passage which we should always read with mingled wonder, love, and praise. We should notice in the first place the lowly and unassuming manner in which the Savior of mankind came among us. The angel who announced his advent was sent to an obscure town in Galilee named Nazareth, The woman who was honored to be the Lord's mother was evidently in a humble position of life. Both in her station and her dwelling place, there was an utter absence of what the world calls greatness. We need not hesitate to conclude that there was a wise providence in all this arrangement. The Almighty Council, which orders all things in heaven and earth, could just as easily have appointed Jerusalem to be the place of Mary's residence as Nazareth, or could easily have chosen the daughter of some rich scribe to be our Lord's mother, as a poor woman. But it seemed good that it should not be so. The first advent of Messiah is to be an advent of humiliation. That humiliation was to begin even from the time of his conception and birth. Let us beware of despising poverty in others, and of being ashamed of it if God lays it upon ourselves. The condition of life which Jesus voluntarily chose ought always to be regarded with holy reverence. The common tendency of the day to bow down before rich men and make an idol of money ought to be carefully resisted and discouraged. The example of our Lord is a sufficient answer to a thousand groveling maxims about wealth which pass current among men. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 Let us admire the amazing condescension of the Son of God. The heir of all things not only took our nature upon him, but took it in the most humbling form in which it could have been assumed. It would have been condescension to come to earth as a king and reign. It was a miracle of mercy, passing our comprehension to come on earth as a poor man, to be despised and suffer and die. Let his love constrain us to live not to ourselves, but to him. Let his example daily bring home to our conscience the precept of Scripture, 
Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Romans 12.16 We should notice in the second place the high privilege of the Virgin Mary. The language which the angel Gabriel addresses to her is very remarkable. He calls her highly favored. He tells her the Lord is with her. He says to her, Blessed are you among women. It is a well-known fact that the Roman Catholic Church pays an honor to the Virgin Mary, hardly inferior to that which is paid to her blessed Son. She is formally declared by the Roman Catholic Church to have been conceived without sin. She is held up to Roman Catholics as an object of worship and prayed to as a mediator between God and man, no less powerful than Christ himself. For all this, be it remembered, there is not the slightest warrant in Scripture. There is no warrant in the verses before us now. There is no warrant in any other part of God's Word. But while we say this, we must in fairness admit that no woman was ever so highly honored as the mother of our Lord. It is evident that one woman only out of the countless millions of the human race could be the means whereby God could be manifest in the flesh, and the Virgin Mary had the mighty privilege of being that one. By one woman, sin and death were brought into the world at the beginning. By the childbearing of one woman, life and immortality were brought to light when Christ was born. No wonder that this one woman is called highly favored and blessed. One thing in connection with this subject should never be forgotten by Christians. There is a relationship to Christ within reach of us all, a relationship far nearer than that of flesh and blood, a relationship which belongs to all who repent and believe. Whoever shall do the will of God, says Jesus, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Blessed is the womb that bore you, was the saying of a woman one day. But what was the reply? Yes. Rather blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Mark 3.35 and Luke 11.27 We should notice, finally, in these verses, the glorious account of our Lord Jesus Christ, which the angel gives to Mary. Every part of the account is full of deep meaning and deserves close attention. Jesus shall be great, says Gabriel. Of his greatness we know something already. He has brought in a great salvation. He has shown himself a prophet greater than Moses. He is a great high priest, and he shall be greater still when he shall be owned as a king. Jesus shall be called the Son of the Most High, says Gabriel. He was so before he came into the world. Equal to the Father in all things, he was from all eternity the Son of God. But he was to be known and acknowledged as such by the church. The Messiah was to be recognized and worshipped as nothing less than very God. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, says Gabriel, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. The literal fulfillment of this part of the promise is yet to come. Israel is yet to be gathered. The Jews are yet to be restored to their own land, and to look to him whom they once pierced as their king and their God. Though the accomplishment of this prediction tarry, we may confidently wait for it. It shall surely come one day and not tarry. Habakkuk 2 verse 3. Finally, says Gabriel, of the kingdom of Jesus there shall be no end. Before his glorious kingdom, the empires of this world shall one day go down and pass away, like Nineveh and Babylon 
and Tyre and Carthage, they shall all come to nothing one day, and the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom. Before Jesus every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that he is Lord. His kingdom alone shall prove an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion that which shall not pass away. Daniel 7:14 and 27. The true Christian should often dwell on this glorious promise and take comfort in its contents. He has no cause to be ashamed of his master. Poor and despised as he may often be for the gospel's sake, he may feel assured that he is on the conquering side. The kingdoms of this world shall yet become the kingdoms of Christ. Yet a little time, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Hebrews 10.37 For that blessed day, let us patiently wait, and watch, and pray. Now is the time for carrying the cross, and for fellowship with Christ's sufferings. The day draws near when Christ shall take his great power and reign, and when all who have served him faithfully shall exchange a cross for a crown. That is the end of Rao's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we've heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory. In considering what we've just heard, would you prayerfully ask yourself and others the following questions? First, When is the last time we considered the utter and complete humiliation of the Lord Jesus Christ coming to the earth? Do we see the mercy of God in that even though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes? Second, for as honored as Mary was to be shown favor and bear the Savior in her womb, does it strike us that we can have a relationship closer than that of Mary, namely that All believers who do the will of God are part of the forever family of God. And lastly, oh brothers and sisters, we are told that we are being transformed from one degree of glory to another as we behold the glory of the Lord. Do we dwell often upon the glorious truths like we have read here about who Jesus is? Sometimes the application of a passage is not go and do this or that, but simply behold your God.